Hello, I'm Radek. I'm Michael. And this is the podcast. A sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss books with and want to share with you. As well as technology and productivity, which is what we do by day working on our app, Nosby. Or whatever else comes to mind. And today we want to get back a little bit to home office improvements, home automation a little bit, uh, and just tinkering and and drilling and uh, stuff like that. Oh, yes. And uh, we've got lots of things to say about that because I'm in the middle of the best procrastination task ever, renovating my home office yet again. You do that every year, right? Yes, I think I think so. Um, we're going to link in the show notes to the category on my blog, slivinski.com <laughs> slash tag slash office. And you will be able to see the progression of my home office back from 2010 or even less. So like really lots of years. Believe it or not, I have followed your home office improvements since 2011. Yeah, you see. And then I have, there is, there is, there is a post from 2009 as well. Damn. And there is a post from 2000, yeah, 2009. And that's it. So this is the, as far as I go. Um, and, uh, and you can see like, you know, because I've changed homes and I've been traveling, uh, you know, changing houses, but even now that I've changed the house, like to my final house, hopefully for now, um, I've made it, I've made this house, house, my more or less permanent house in 2014, but still even in 2004, from 2014, my home office was changing. In 2015, I added the height adjustable IKEA desk, so you can, you know, I can sit and work, work, work standing and work sitting. And even then, um, I managed to move it, move it around quite a few times. Yeah, and I see some of the furniture you've you've had in uh, 2011 or even earlier than that. Yes, that, that that you still use. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I've, um, and this is one of the reasons I'm I'm. I'm doing a little bit more of the renovation here. I'm changing the furniture because I have this old IKEA furniture here and um, it's pretty dated. And recently when you were here, you remember there was was some water coming in (laughs) and some Mm -hmm. of the furniture also uh, got um, uh, damaged, but uh, it's really all, uh, all no, no, but not, not, not a lot, but, but anyway, it was just um, adding to the suggestion, which I already had to, change some things here and to rethink how I work, which kind of things I put next to my desk, which I don't, uh, which things I should keep and which not. And I think, as we always repeat on this show, feedback loops, you know, um, every year I just discover that I uh, I work a little bit differently. I need uh, a few diff- different things. I need fewer things. So, um, so with this new concept, I will actually have fewer drawers and fewer places to put things because I need fewer things in my reach. Yeah. When I was going through the Marie Kondo uh, treatment, I... I got rid of so many things that even though like all of the furniture behind me is already a reduced version from what I had originally. Like I had I had stuff I I gave away because I needed that I didn't need that much anymore. And so this seemed like a super minimalistic setup. Like most of the things I own is in one of those you know, pieces of furniture aside from like jackets and like common household things. And uh, like many of those are now empty. Like 
I have nothing to stuff it with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah. and 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 um, this is my this is also my idea here that I have just too many empty places which like don't serve any purpose, and and for example they are right right uh, at my reach. So it doesn't, yeah. make any, it doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, so And it, it just, just tempts you to fill it with stuff you don't need. Exactly. That's why I want to rethink it. I want to, um, uh, I, have, I have bought uh, three new things, three new, um, let's say, structures, uh, but they're small. And I will try not to fill up them, not, not to fill them up with uh, too many things. And, um, and also... Um, the the I'm gonna reuse some of the IKEA stuff, but mm-hmm. I actually bought the furniture. That, I mean, the structures that I bought are not from IKEA, are from uh, like a local company, because they, they they are similar to the IKEA stuff, so they're compatible with IKEA, but they're mm-hmm. made out of out of real wood, and not the uh, you know kind of wood uh, paper thingy that IKEA yeah. does. Mostly paper. <laughs> Mostly paper. Exactly. So. This was another incentive to have really wooden furniture instead of uh, paper furniture, and the paper furniture again it served its purpose. I mean, you know, these things here, they've, they've as you can see in the photos, like they've been here for many years. So um, I, I've really, like, they really served me well. So it's time <laughs> to, to to change them to something else. So okay, so, so let me get this straight. You're doing this. Uh, I mean, let's face it, mostly because you're procrastinating on real important stuff. Exactly. Uh, but mostly because you have old stuff and you don't need that much space. And so you want to reduce this stuff. Exactly. I want to do this. And I want to rethink what I really need and, you know, like how I want to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I took, for example, this, uh, this opportunity to buy a better document shredder because the one... Oh. That I have here is like it only accepts like five sheets of paper, and now I bought Wait, one. Wait, but that... why do you need a better paper shredder? Because I still receive lots of paper, and I hate shredding, so I want to shred them, you know, as quickly as possible. Why do you receive a lot of paper? Because they keep sending me paper. Who is they? Yeah, lots of things. You know, the because it's also private stuff, like you know, uh, I don't know, from local government, from whatever. Like I still receive lots of paper. There's still lots of paper hmm. to 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 to. Um, you know, to be had. And also, um, whenever uh, Amazon ships uh, things to me, uh, my label is on the uh, on the box. So I always take it yeah. down and put it through shredder. So I don't want my personal information, like address and stuff to be available. So um, it, I don't shred that much, but I don't like shredding a lot. So I bought a shredder that is not very expensive, but has but is able to, to, to like eat 12 up to 12 pages at a time. So this one, just with one swoop, I can shred everything and I'm just done. Yeah, you know, that, that that's actually an interesting uh, thing because I'm almost completely got rid of paper in my life. And most of the pieces of paper I receive are like invoices from companies that send me a PDF anyway and like sort of can't figure out that I don't really want a piece of paper. But it's, it's just like mm-hmm. mostly stuff that comes from packages and stuff I can just throw away. Uh, exactly. Recycle. Um, like I very rarely, and it's like it's very little paper. I I, I receive very little paper, and um, very very rarely it's something um, that actually has like any private information. Like like government mm-hmm. stuff. Like like maybe like once a year, 
Like most most of that stuff is electronic anyway. Like like it's rare for me to receive paper with anything important. And th- this thing that that when you get like a shipping label or something like that with your name and, and address, uh, I used to do that. But then I realized like that actually seems so not just so paranoid, but but so. Um, sort of useless because the only place where someone digging through your trash would see your name and you know your first and last name next to your address would be if they dig through trash next to where you live so they would know that anyway so like what's the point but this trash is being taken and it goes to a different place when it's with the other trash and uh, no. you know it's going to be somewhere there or somewhere else. I don't know. I maybe it's a little bit paranoid, but I don't want I, I don't want it. I don't want, you know, my name and address same place. Okay. Um like in, in a different place than, than here. So yeah, I prefer to shred it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I had a I had a cheap and like really bad shredder, uh but I stopped using it because I realized that you know, like twice a year that I actually get something more than like my name and, and address next next to it, which you know, if you're good at digging, you'll probably find on the internet anyway. Um, it is like maybe twice a year, so I can like like do it by hand, and it's less pain in the ass than actually using Shredder for everything. No, this uh, is one of the reasons. Unless I unless I got a, a a nice one, but but then it's like, nah, do I really need that additional piece of equipment? Nah. No, I I I, I prefer to shred things. I the new Shredder will come here, and the old Shredder actually will go downstairs because very often we would receive the labels and we would you know, put it in my inbox to shred it in my home office, which is not really efficient. <laughs> so this way we will just put the shredder yeah. um, in, a, in in some place, you know, in this um, uh, in this room that we have next to the kitchen. So this way we, can, we will be able to shred things right away. Very inefficient. It takes two flights of stairs. Exactly. We don't want that. So, um, uh, so yeah, the shredder uh, was an, an, an improvement. And apart from that, really, yeah... It's always also, you know, the thing is that what I like about this, about this procrastinating by by uh, renovating home office is really you have to, you have this option to take a look around, uh, really. Mm-hmm. And I've already done the Marie Kondo here. It was my first step actually to do Marie Kondo here in my home office. So now, after more than a year, it would be good to do it again, uh, but with a different set of furniture. So um, you should do it before putting putting stuff into the furniture. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is the idea. I'm gonna first remove all the stuff from my from the furniture, do the mm-hmm. Marie thing, you know, joy no joy, and we will link in the show notes, and then put the furniture and configure the furniture in a way that it makes sense for the stuff that I want to keep. Right. So uh, I have a like in terms of like small home office improvements. There's a couple of things I I, I did recently. Um, one of them was a couple of months ago actually. I improved the cabling situation below this desk mm-hmm. because there was a power strip that was just like lying there like the the strip didn't have any attachments and i like there's no there was no place to put it it just sat there and that was like ugly so i i free i designed and 3d printed just a like very simple sort of bracket to hold it and i attached it just using screws to the sort of the the ceiling of the of the desk uh, so that now it's like completely uh, invisible, and then I, like I mentioned, I have a lot of empty space in in the 
in the furniture behind me and in the, the big cupboard. Uh, it was actually like two years ago that I've hidden the printer inside because I, I figured, okay, there's an empty big um, place inside. So instead of having you know the laser printer outside where it mostly cover, like um, gathers dust because I rarely use a printer, it would be inside where it would you know not um, gather dust and just not look ugly. The printers look ugly. And and recently, and I had a lot of like, uh, like modems and other like, you know, networking equipment and other stuff like that uh, underneath it. Like there's a gap between the floor and the the bottom of the of the cupboard. But the problem was that um, recently I switched to an ISP and they got me a modem, which is also a Wi-Fi router. I have a better Wi-Fi router, so I disabled it. But because it's optical link and not Ethernet, I still need to use their box just as a router and it was shaped such that I couldn't uh, hide it underneath and the the plug you know the power plug was such that I couldn't fit it inside the power strip also hiding underneath it so I did a little reorganization and now like all of that equipment is also tucked away inside um, one of those uh, cupboard doors and the only thing sticking out just barely, if you if you pay attention, uh, is the the Wi-Fi router because it f- fits underneath, and and this way uh, it just gets me the best possible reception because the antennas are right next to the door, which is close to the center of the apartment. So this gives me the best Wi-Fi reception, and unless you're looking at your feet, like you won't even notice it, and this way it doesn't like. It's much cleaner while giving me best possible networking, and I, I don't use cabled networking ever, anywhere uh, in the house. So, you know, I, I want my three hundred megabits fast. So you have your Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi router like below the, the the thing. Yeah. So so in the in the space between the floor and the bottom of the cupboard, this is uh, the router is flat with like three antennas sticking out, so mm-hmm. it can fit. In that that hole, and then and then the uh, the antennas are just like sticking out uh, from the floor, pretty much. Ah, and it gives you good reception. Yeah, exactly, because it's you know situated nicely without it being you know standing outside. Okay, right. Because like like you in, in the the room next to your home office, you have a lot of like printers and other equipment, and it's all yeah. like sitting outside. And I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to like hide all of it as possible, you know, as much as possible. Okay, okay, you're giving me ideas. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Now this is the the cable ma- cable management thing, as you will will be able to see through the linked you know link to my home office renovations, has always been the main theme. I like cable management uh, and. In a way, uh, I enjoy setting it up because I enjoy the fact of having things around and having things accessible without seeing the cables. This is just yeah. this is like this geeky nerdy thing, you know. Of of really, so that's why I understand that you, you you it was annoying for you to have this power strip lying on the floor with the cables just loosely attached, and it's 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 completely different thing when you have it really nicely done. There is there there are hardly any cables visible. But everything is accessible. It's like magic. Yeah, it would be more magic if it was all if the cables weren't necessary. But most of them either are necessary or like reducing and combining things together to get less cables would just be so impractical and expensive that it's just 
not worth it. Uh, and yeah, you, with some reorganization, uh, you can have a good time procrastinating away from real work by yeah. using your skills and creativity for nicely laying out cables and hiding them creatively uh, while achieving better aesthetics. It's nice. You're right. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's why I'm always looking forward to, to renovating my home office. And this is another project that I'm, I'm trying to do. My wife is trying to convince me to also put a different floor in my home office because... As you know, I have just this small piece of wooden floor <laughs> in the middle of it, which looks ridiculous. Yes. Um, um, because I just prefer wooden floor because it's nicer, it's 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 cozier, it's it's warmer, and um, um, I'm thinking about it. I may, maybe I'll just go all in and really also do the flooring here. I mean, you know, order somebody to do the flooring here because I won't be doing the flooring because I'm not really good at this. But we'll see. Yeah, it's not that difficult. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, it's going to be, you know, I don't know. It's lots of work. <laughs> I really like doing uh, renovations. You're right, it's it's a lot of work and uh, you have to find the, the right time to, to do it. But, you know, normally we like, we, we mostly work with our minds, not, not with like physically. So every two or three years when you need to like move stuff around, uh, you know, destroy all of the wallpapers, repaint everything and, you know, attach stuff like it's a lot of fun. I like yeah, that. Yeah, you, this is a very valid point because normally what we do is virtual. Like the 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 outcome of our work is is on the screen. It's and and this is like this, you know, this um I don't know, this indig like, like you know, this primal thing of a guy, you know, using a hammer to build something, right? You know, like you're you I, I I don't I don't think that that's how hammers work, but okay. Whatever. Uh but it's it's like, you know, you're building something that's for real. That's you know that you can touch. That yeah. that, 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 that that is here. You know, it's it's like it it gives me the satisfaction of, of of doing that. And sometimes I when I do when I build furniture, uh, I I try to get my my daughters involved so that that they can they they are my helpers. And this way we have this, so much fun. <laughs> yeah, if if possible, like you always avoid um, hiring people to help out with renovations, not just. To, to save money but it's just like it's so much more fun to like you know get around like you know dad and my brother and mm -hmm. some friends to to do some work yeah all right uh unless you have more to say about your little renovation i wanted to give you an update about my raspberry pi yeah tell me okay so after the last episode when you gave me the ideas, I immediately, after recording, ordered uh, a Raspberry Pi. Um, I, I got the, the best one, uh, which is like $35, and it has like a, a quad-core CPU, one wow. gig of RAM. It's pretty fast for, for something that costs uh, $35. And I've been playing around with it. This is early days, but there's a couple of things I, I've already played with and figured out. So I set up uh, Octoprint, link in the show notes, which is this server for controlling 3D printers. So um, I think I explained this uh, in, in one of the previous episodes, but but briefly, the, the 3D printer is really dumb. Like it's a very simple uh, machine and the, the processor controlling it is extremely, extremely small and incapable. It's like, I don't know, like 20 megahertz and like, 
you know, uh, maybe 20 or 50 something kilobytes of uh, memory. Like it, it's really tiny and useless. It, it's really a marvel that, that it can do what, what it can do. And so to get something to print, I have to detach the SD card, put it in this SD card reader inside the USB to USB-C adapter, put it in my Mac, usually try again because it's sometimes weird, copy over the, the file for the print job, detach, attach the SD card, restart the printer because it doesn't see the SD card for some reason, and start the print, <laughs> right? And so with Octoprint, you, but, but the 3D printer can be controlled not just from the SD card, but also over USB, but yeah. you don't really want to control it from your computer because if it goes to sleep or you just want to take it with you, the print dies, right? Okay. Uh, but if you have a Raspberry Pi, then that can be the controlling computer for the printer. Uh-huh. And then uh, Octoprint both controls the printer and puts up a web server that you can access on your um, uh, local network. So mm-hmm. on my Mac or my iPhone or whatever, I can type, you know, Raspberry Pi that local and it will show me the Octoprint uh, interface. And I can upload files to the printer and start the print job. And I can see and control all of the, the values, like how it's progressing with the printing, are the temperatures stable and whatever. Now, of course, I, I you know the printer is right next to me, so it, it doesn't give me that much benefit, but it's a little bit simpler. But then the, the, the cool thing about it is you can attach some extra options to it and make it available f- via the internet. So the okay, the, the simplest way of of uh, allowing Octoprint to be accessed from the internet is is stupid because like you don't want to just forward the port and make something that could potentially burn down your house available on the internet. But there are safe ways to to do it, and then um, you can attach a webcam. I, I managed to configure this um, driver that can. Um, this this Linux driver that that can uh, see video from webcam. I just got some some webcam from a friend that some really old like piece of crap that he wanted to to throw away, and I just used needed that, and I can attach it to the three D printer so that it looks at the 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 print bed, right? And then ah. from the Octoprint web interface, you can see the print, right? So you could also attach to it uh, a push notification sender so that when the print job is complete, it sends you a push notification to your phone. Wow. Uh, that will be easy to to do. There's this thing called, um, I think, Push Bullet or something like that, and then uh, another thing uh, that it's just an app where you can like push through a simple API push notification. So you can easily attach it to, you just download an app on your phone, and then you can easily attach um, API calls to it, right? <laughs> so you can easily make Octoprint just send a notification when the, the print is done. And then it would also not be very difficult to um, connect a relay to the the power supply of the 3D printer so that you could control the relay from the the Raspberry Pi. And now you could start the print and um, leave the house. When the print is done, you'd get a push notification. You open the the Octoprint website, you see that the print is complete, you see the webcam view, and you see that it's actually done and your house didn't burn down. And then you can send a, a power down command that will like cut off the, the power to the 3D printer. So not just like stop controlling the printer, but actually shut it off, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be pretty cool. So I, I got most of the way there. I haven't configured the, the last few parts, but uh, the Octoprint works and the webcam works. I also played with this this uh, other thing that I, I've played with in the past, but I never com- like finished the product. So uh, I, I might have mentioned it on, on the show, but there's this, uh, this little device, this USB device called RTL SDR. And that's a software-defined radio. So it, it's essentially a tiny radio frequ- frequency tuner mm-hmm. that you can tune to any frequency within like some range. And it's it costs like 10 bucks or, or less than that even. Uh, or Well, I think I bought it for like 10 or, or 15 bucks. You connect it to the USB. And because most of the processing is done on the CPU and not using traditional analog methods, you can tune it to any frequency and you can build really cool projects with it. So the really cool one is you can fetch pictures of the Earth from um, weather observation satellites, but you you need a bigger antenna for that uh, and the, the right type of antenna. So I haven't built that yet, but I want to. Uh, but a thing you can do very easily is just connect the, the dinky antenna that comes with the, the SDR um, and track airplanes on the sky, uh, yeah. which, is, which, which is useless because you can just go to FlightAware or uh, Flight one of the other. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but uh, but it, it's kind of fun when you like put out the antenna, uh, just open this, this, this program on your computer on the Raspberry Pi, uh, as I did, and you just see like all of the airplanes that it, it can see. Uh, and, and there's this like web server that you can also put up so that you can view it on your Mac and see it on a, you know, overlay on, on Google Maps and click on the, the plane and see the details, you know, fetched from the internet about this plane. It's, it's such a cool thing, uh, though kind of useless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, uh, the most interesting thing, uh, which I'm only getting started with, but I set up the Homebridge server. So we mentioned this last, last week. Homebridge is this, um, this server that pretends to be a HomeKit accessory. And it has like literally hundreds of plugins to uh, existing non-HomeKit compliant accessories. So you can hook up like a ton of different stuff so that it works with HomeKit by putting up this Homebridge um, server. Uh, and I use this, um, but but you can also like plug in like literally something physically electronically to the Raspberry Pi, which is what I did. So uh, I use this uh, little uh, module called Homebridge GPIO or something like that. There's also like dozens of those that allow you to control the general purpose input output like electrical pins on the on the Raspberry Pi. So for now, all I did is just connected a an LED to it, mm-hmm. and I can say, "Hey, Siri, uh, turn on or turn off the light," and it will turn on or turn off the LED, which is totally useless, but it actually works. I managed to set it up, and it works. And I uh, I got myself set up on some AliExpress. So uh, like I think I mentioned last week. I wanted to, to try to control the two lights that I have in this room, the big light and this this um, lamp desk, which mostly functions as this like uh, evening bias light. And so I, I put a couple of modules from AliExpress uh, 
I bought a bistable relay. So a, a bistable relay is is an electrical component that essentially works like a switch and allows, uh, you know, alternate current uh, through or not. But uh, unlike a normal relay, a normal relay, you you connect a little bit of direct current and it energizes a coil and it's, it brings together two contacts so that the current flows through. But first of all, it continuously needs uh, energy, like you're wasting power on this coil thing. If you lose power, then it forgets its state, like it just disconnects and you have to like connect uh, it again. Mm-hmm. And because it's electromechanical, it, because it's a coil, it, it will, it will, it might have just this this tiny, um, this tiny coil whine that that you may or may not be able to hear. Um, but the bistable relay, uh, there are either those that you you have two pins and mm-hmm. you you put current for a split second on one uh, pin and it will just it will just switch the state to on or the other pin switch the state to off but it stays mm-hmm. this way so even if you yeah. lose like it, it doesn't use any energy uh, only when switching it doesn't have any buzz and when you lose power it will remember that it's either on or off so it really works like a physical switch but only yeah. um, changed uh, electronically right and uh, you can get that for a $1.50 uh, and I got this uh, this 430 megahertz transmitter. So th- th- there's this thing that 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 uh, most of those little dinky uh, remote controls for like shades and cars and stuff that, like that use. Well, the older cars, which uh, is like primitive, like sending a short burst of bits, just a you know a, a code over and over until the receiver picks it up and and react to it and you can get a transmitter that you can connect to raspberry pi for um actually you can get a transmitter and receiver pair for i think 80 cents but mm-hmm. the problem with that is that the transmitter you'd connect to raspberry pi to send commands but the receiver you'd also need a uh, some sort of microcontroller to interpret the signals and figure out if this is the code you want or not but thankfully for 80 cents you can buy a learning receiver <laughs> which you blast with the signal once while um holding just a tiny button and then the led will blink twice to say yep i got it it's good and now we'll just react to this command and it actually can have like has like four channels so you can like teach it like extremely simply on four different uh codes and then hook hook for different wires to different things. So uh, this way, for uh, $3, uh, you can have a module controllable through HomeKit. Uh, just a, a receiver, and you hook it up to the bistable relay, and that's it. Like, there's literally nothing else to do. Like, it's just, it's it's that. You don't need anything more. You, you don't need any custom electronics, no, like, just solder or hook up two wires together and that's the plan but i have to wait a couple of weeks until i receive the the shipment so this way you'll be uh, you'll turn into a home kit device manufacturer without actually complying with home kit <laughs> yeah there's a couple of problems with this that i haven't yet figured out how to solve the problem is uh it's one-way communication so in general like for light switches home kit assumes that you can tell whether it's currently turned off or yes. turned on. 
and I can easily make it flip the state, but I can't on the Raspberry Pi read the state yeah. of the relay. So, yeah. I don't know how to fix that, but uh, I'll probably make it pretend that it's not a, a light, but some other thing that, I don't yeah, know, I'll play I'll with it. Play with it then. But it, either way, it, it won't set me back more than some $3. I'll, I'll put the, all the links Very in the good. show notes. Uh, so um, in my case, I uh, uh, I am still happy with my setup, but um, some of the, the switches that I bought, the HomeKit switches, are a little bit flaky and they lose connection sometimes, or like when my router just freaks out, then they freak out too. So I re- what I realized is that I have to um, uh, do something about it. And my friend who has many HomeKit devices, he told me, so Norbert from my magazine, he told me that uh, I should set up um, static IP addresses for them. Because then, you know, then they don't, mm. don't have to search for a dynamic address. And uh, apparently with dynamic address, they just freak out. And they sometimes they just don't get an, a, a good MAC address. Uh, sorry, IP address. So so this mm. I have to do, I have to set it up on the router to just reserve uh, an IP address for a specific device. And this way, you know, all these devices will have their own IP addresses. And even if my power goes, goes down, the router goes down, they will connect immediately because you know the router will not have to deliver them new addresses right um how many how many devices do you have plugged into your router like like how many mac addresses does it have to uh service for now i mean i just checked in my Eero uh setup it's more than 40 40 something man that that's a lot those yeah i, I think that that's part of the the problem like before those Internet of Things BS things, uh, like 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 you you never had more than like yes. maybe five devices connected to to the home um, local network. So I don't think those those routers are really designed to handle that many. Yeah, I mean I have Eero as my router, and Eero is a very nice mesh setup with three routers creating one mesh network. And I trust it will hold it, but that's why, for example, you must not use uh, the the ISP given router as your main router because then oh, it's a reci- no, recipe for failure bad. because these are really bad. So um, that that's why I will report back, you know, how this went and if 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 the connection got really stable. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, normally, you know. A few computers, few mobile phones, and that's it. You know, so you would have just you know below ten devices on your network, and now with all these light switches and uh, relays and all these things connected to the router, uh, I have more than forty, so it's quite a lot. Yeah, uh, at my favorite cafe in Torun, they have this um, this router that they've they were given by their ISP which was designed to be used at home. It's one of the most popular ISPs in, in Poland, and it's mm-hmm. crap, obviously. And like w- when I was first there a couple of times, the internet worked, but only on Facebook.com and a couple of other uh, domains, and other stuff didn't work. And I asked them why, and they, they didn't know. It worked on some of their devices. We couldn't really figure it out. Uh, me and my friend offered help. We dig, we dug through the configuration, and we couldn't find anything. There was no restrictions, no DNS <laughs> problems. Like we tried a couple of things. Um, ultimately, we reset the the settings to to factory settings, and it worked. And apparently, like apparently, those 
those have this built-in mode that uh, give away an, like a secondary Wi-Fi um, network. It is free network that anyone can can uh, plug into, but it only like works for like social media. And apparently, for some reason, like maybe it overflowed somehow and connected us to the wrong network, even though everything looked fine. But the funny thing is, it took maybe two or three weeks, and the problem is back. Now, the funny thing about that funny thing is that for me and my friend, who are one of the first devices that connected to this this network that was set up again, it works perfectly. Connects instantly, everything works. Another friend comes over, always has has to set up his own hotspot. He was out of, outside of this blessed list of the first connected device, and it doesn't work. So yeah, never use your ISP router. They're yes, piece of yes, crap. Yes. They are flaky, and you just you know, no, you spend just too much time figuring out what what is wrong. As you said, all the settings look legit, legit. Everything looks well set up, and it's not. Okay, so uh, to wrap it up, uh, I have a book recommendation, uh, which is. Uh, uh, really cool um, one of these for me uh, um, life-changing books um, uh, The E-Myth Revisited it's a book about um, running a small business I always I was I was recommended this book several times by a few people um, and always thought you know E-Myth I thought it's going to be about e-commerce and things and I was like yeah whatever I, I know all about that yeah, the name of the book sounds terrible. Exactly. I, I would never read it if not recommended by someone I trust. Exactly. So the name that, that, that's why I, I never took it. You know, that's why I never read it. But it's all it, the, the E stands for entrepreneurship. So the entrepreneurship myth, oh, and the no. book is about this fact, uh, is about this 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 notion that uh, you uh, that people who don't like their jobs set up their own companies and then they fail and why they fail and what's wrong with their attitude, uh, you know with their way of setting up their company so um so basically it's like a productivity book but for entrepreneurs it's fantastic it really made me look at things differently of how we work and how how we uh, do things in, uh, in our company and uh, really um uh, yeah just, just help me rethink things and so that's why for example my last quarterly offsite and my last weekly review were really good because i was already thinking how to do things differently in the company so highly recommended very cool book um yeah that's it all right i wasn't gonna do that but uh since you mentioned this i i'm also gonna recommend a book that i've read uh it's called bad blood secrets and lies in a silicon valley startup um it's about uh, Theranos, oh, which, um, yeah, did, did you read it? No, I didn't read it. I, I know the story of Theranos and, and, and the bullshit uh, CEO. Yeah, I, this, this name, it, um, it was in my sphere of consciousness twice. Once, somewhere, like, long time ago, I just barely saw, like, the promise of the startup that, that's, like, working on something revolutionary, sounded uh, really good. And the second thing I saw... Uh, but also didn't pay too much attention to it, was a post by Jean-Louis Gasset uh-huh. uh, about Theranos being bullshit. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but also, like, like didn't read too much in, into it. Like, I didn't know the whole story, the whole context. I, I didn't know uh, it's that interesting. And and this book is, is quite interesting. Like, yeah, 
you remember you recommended to me, I think this is the way it went, uh, this another book with uh, bullshit, uh, bullshit Silicon yeah, Valley yeah, startups. Yeah, exactly. Disrupted. Um, disrupted. It was also really good, but but like like in a very different way. Just ridiculous and funny. And this is just like like man, that's that's terrible. That's just fraud. <laughs> yeah. That that somehow no one figured out for many many years that it's just a exactly. total fraud. Uh, really interesting. Yeah, would recommend uh, giving it a read if you like reading stories like this. Yeah, just to tell you that uh, I'm finally watching Silicon Valley. I wasn't watching this show, so I'm catching <laughs> up. I'm in uh, at the end of the season two right now, so it's hilarious. And 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 many things are so close to real. It like yeah, it's um yeah, it's uh, fantastic. I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little divisive. Uh, some people just don't find it funny. Uh, I do. Um, I also like spoke with people who actually live in or work or worked in Silicon Valley. And some of them are not amused by it. Perhaps they find it too serious. Uh, and some of them do not find it funny because they they're just depressed about how close to reality <laughs> yeah. this is, even though it's supposed to be just a funny comedy. Completely. 